Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Listen, I want to jump right in it. But first, how you doing? You doing good? Come on. Come on, you doing good? You're not sure how you doing? Some of you, you're not sure? Some of you are nodding. Some of you are clapping. Some of you are comatose. You know what I'm saying? We want this service to be full of life. Why? Because there should be life in you. As a believer, I mean, God is not dead, and there should be life. And there, I want to give a disclaimer today that the text that we're going to read, we've been in two or three weeks of Galatians 5, really walking through total freedom. And um, I believe that the scripture is very clear that God wants us to be free. And so as we walk into this, one of the reasons that we spend time on theology is because it helps us gain understanding so that we can have confidence in the Lord. God wants you to know his nature and know his why and have confidence. That doesn't mean that you always can decide and, and, and know what, what God is up to, but God has evidences. and God, God is not like hiding his hand. God's not trying to poker face you. God wants you to know him, and he's got things to tell you. And there are times that questions arise in our life, and it's important that to the best of our ability, we go to the scripture and we try to get those questions answered so that our faith is not shaken but strengthened. Um. So let me give you a disclaimer today. There are going to be conversations that we're going to have that is going to reveal some flesh. Now, you get to make a choice. You're already kind of there, like, getting ready. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible was written so that we would understand the schemes of the enemy and begin to plant things in our life that would produce good fruit. Amen? Come on, amen? If you're unsure about that, uh, we got a lot more to talk about. Okay. So, but the truth is, from time to time, we get into situations where the flesh is more dominant in our life than the Holy Spirit. And so what is our posture as believers, and how do we handle that? And this passage of Scripture is either going to make you defensive, it's going to put up walls, um, it's going to make you frustrated, uh, or it's going to bring clarity. And ultimately, that is the heart that I think Paul wrote it in, and that's the heart that we're, um, that's the posture that we're under. July the 4th, 1776 is what? Come on, tell me. Is what? Good. 247 years ago, our founding fathers the ones of the American Revolution, signed the Declaration of Independence, okay? And so let's walk through this. That is when the United States became a nation. I want you to see that they declared themselves free, and then they fought a battle. Think about this. They declared themselves free, and then they fought a battle. We are made up of three parts, our spirit, soul, and body. And for the rest of your life, You will fight the flesh to free the soul in order to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to say it again, 
And every time you need to kind of get that in you so that you can start amen in it for the rest of your life. You will fight the flesh to free the soul in order to be led by the Spirit. Amen? Come on. You will fight the flesh to free your soul in order to be led by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 16, verse 23. It says this, but I say walk in the Spirit. Paul's saying walk in the Spirit. Paul said it. We can say it if we want. Let's go. What y'all want to say. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Offense, defense. Come on. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, cowboys versus commanders. Yeah, it's just, they're, it's, they're always in opposition. Okay? For these oppose each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I've been talking about seven fundamentals, and as I have gone through this, I have now moved it to eight. Uh, and so uh, I would encourage you to go back and get the first five. We're going to do six and seven today, and, and then next Sunday we'll end up with the last one. So here's the sixth point. There will always be a conflict between... The flesh and the spirit. God wants us to live free. And he has a way, listen, for us to live. Like God's got a way he wants us to live. And God gives us a free will. And we can choose to surrender to him or not. When we get saved, we are positionally, okay, redeemed. But the issue is, where are we at conditionally? Every day. Tell my, I'm almost done. All right, listen. Uh, uh, conditionally, this means that conditions change based on my past, my trigger, my trauma, my temptation, my desires. My condition is always in flux. Not my position, but my condition. Does that make sense? Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Well, what is the old? It's the old man. It's the old nature. It's the bondage of living under the law. It's being controlled, somebody, by the flesh, by our own flesh. Our flesh doesn't have to control us. When did this term, the, the flesh, occur? When Adam and Eve sinned, everything shifted. Okay, let me give you a little background theology. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. And the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. Here's what I want you to know. That the enemy did not create work. Hear me young people. Stop trying to find your dream and create it. Stop trying to find your perfect place your perfect, come on church, your perfect uh, relationships, your perfect, God says, I have given you something, now you're going to have to build it. You don't want to build it, it won't be built. You're going to have to build it, and you're going to have to manage it your whole life. And so if you want to do that, then guess what? 
you will overcome in some areas. And if you don't want to build and you don't want to manage and you want everybody else to do it for you, come on, listen, like you want your parents to do it for you, you want your boss to do it for you, you want the government to do it for you, you want the church to do it for you, then here's the deal. You are actually saying, I want to posture myself as a child. But it's better being an adult. Come on. As a child, we tell them when to go to bed. As an adult, you tell yourself. This, this is the reality, okay? And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat that, okay? Come on, look to your neighbor and say, don't eat it. Come on, don't eat it. Listen, on the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Due to Adam's disobedience, Sin set in, flesh set in, and the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve immediately knew they were naked. Okay? That's a huge revelation. Okay? That's deeper than finally when you get math in school. It makes sense. That, that's different than when you finally know how to, you know, diagram a sentence. That, that's, that's different than when you... Are learning a foreign language and you're finally like, I can talk it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, they were naked and they didn't know it. There was a change for the first time they saw the evidence of the flesh. Hear me? Okay? Before the fall, they lived, walked, kept, and were led by the Spirit of God. And that was their reality. And in that place, they had all that they needed. And every need, come on, listen, was met. When the fall of man happened, the spirit was no longer in control. And the flesh was. This is huge. Because this is the story of the corruption of man. We see that all of a sudden, they are meeting with God. Adam is walking with God in the cool of the day. And then... They begin to do the thing that God said don't do. And immediately they saw each other's flesh. What happened? They ran away from God. They hid themselves. They covered themselves. And it was, what do I have to do to fix my flesh? Then you have Cain and Abel. And Abel operated under what God said. God asked for a certain sacrifice. And Abel was the representation of following the Spirit. And he said, God, I'm going to give you what you ask for, what you require. I will not change it. I will not alter it. I will do what you want to do. And he was blessed. Cain was representation of the flesh. Cain said, I'm going to give you what I want, when I want, as I desire it. And when God said, I can't receive your flesh... Your desires, I can't receive that, but if you change, I will accept yours. And Cain got mad, and the flesh killed the spirit. Flesh killed Abel. And then now, here we are. And, and I just want to help you with your worldview. Man is not basically good. Man is not basically good. And so if you come from that context, 
then you wonder about how evil came to the world. But the evil came to the world because man was given dominion and we gave that over to the enemy. And now we decided to follow our flesh, man, and now we, we, we are moved and controlled and desired, come on, by the flesh. Here's the concept. You don't, you don't get to give God what you want. You, gotta, you give God what he wants. This is why the church, even in America, is so shallow. It's because we're full. Can I, can, I, can, I, can I talk a little bit? This, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. We're very shallow as a church because we think that God is applauding our effort. And so we think I'm going to come give God uh, a, a little ditty. And God's going to be like, super, I'm proud of you. Way to try. And God's like, no, 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 no. I want you to surrender and I want you to submit. And if you'll give me what I ask for, then here's the deal. Your life will move in freedom. And there will be a peace on your life that passes all understanding. And you will, listen, you still have to work. You'll still have to manage but you won't have to carry the heaviness of this world. Come on, somebody. Is that good? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. God even says it here. And the Lord God said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, and his days will be 120 years. In other words, this dude can't live forever because he will invent all types of evil. That flesh has to have a term limit. Let's return to Galatians, okay? Back to Galatians 5, 16. We were just getting context. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And, we, and so I don't have to read this again, but I'm, I'm telling you what it was, how God created it, and when Jesus came, and how He redeemed it. And now we have the power to overcome the flesh and walk, come on, in the Spirit. And that's good news. Paul is informing the church about the real conflict between flesh and spirit. And this conflict is real. Come on, say that. This conflict is real. It's real. He is saying, don't follow your own desires. Because it only brings bondage into your life. And there's only one way to truly live free. We've got to be aware of the flesh. And we've got to choose the spirit. We said this last week, to walk in total freedom, you need ministry, discipleship, and discipline. There are times that your soul will need ministry. You, 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 your flesh got out of control, it sowed seeds, it did things, and you know what? I need some ministry. I got to forgive myself, I got to get the shame and guilt and all the junk nasty off of me, and I need ministry. And then I need discipleship. I need someone to break it down to me. I don't need to come to church for the next 30 years coming with what I think. That's the crazy how has the church become hostage to what people think when what people think is predicated on not reading the Bible? <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about church. Great. Tell me how much the Holy Spirit's done in your life. Oh, well, I have very little of that. Okay, well, tell me how much you're 
consuming the word and not just reading it for knowledge so that you can argue, but you're actually reading it for transformation. Well, I have very little of that. Okay, well, we really want to hear your opinions about how the church should run. That's great. From someone who doesn't read the word, doesn't pray, isn't trying to subvert the flesh and follow the Holy Spirit. Come on. But yet we have a lot of opinions about how the church organization should be run. And if we were going to be honest, most of that comes through hurt, and I get it. I'm not minimizing it. I'm just saying that we are reading that works of the flesh will always hurt people. It will always hurt people. There will always be people caught in the crossfire when works of the flesh are able, come on, to go unbridled. Discipleship. And then we need discipline. In other words, that you've got to, come on, there's got to be a something in you, a resolve in you. And if we used to say it like this, like if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And you don't stand for your, your activism. You stand on the word. The word is the only thing that will never leave. Everybody, every, every big activist thing is going to change. When I came through the 80s, we were talking about free willy. Where are the people that still want the whales free? I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying it's not a major. You hear what I'm saying? It's going to shift. Culture's going to shift. It's going to make up a new thing that everybody should be mad about. We're going to build it on the Lord. James chapter 1 verse 14 and 15 says this. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own what? Desires. When desire... When, de, when then desires, when it is fully conceived, gives birth to sin. Sin, when it fully is grown, gives forth to death. So there's a process. So here's what you need to know. The flesh wants total control of your life. It pushes, demands, takes, urges, urges you, and it wants to make you submit. The Holy Spirit wants total control of your life. But he whispers, he stirs, he reveals, he convicts, and he leads you, listen, he leads you into submission. We as believers don't want to be, come on, the prideful donkey that's sitting and just make, make me do it. That, that, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He wants you to want. Come on, and hear what I'm saying. So I got an image that I, I want you to see. Here is what happens in our life. Is we just read this out of James. Desires begin to unlock our attention. And our attention creates an action. And our actions create habits. Those habits can be strongholds. Those habits can be things that you have allowed the works of the flesh and it went from something in me to now a focus of mine. Now I act on what I've been thinking about and now it is something in my life that is hurting me, my family, my relationships. Well, something going on, does it make sense? And you get to choose, do you want life or do you want death? The Bible says choose this day. 
And so somehow in Christianity, it is this idea that God is going to do it all for you. Yes, we are under an open heaven. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, that all your sin and shame can be wiped away because we are holy, come on, under the blood of Christ. But if you want to conditionally be free, you're going to have to make some changes in your life and nobody's going to clean your room for you. No one's going to balance your budget. No one's going to take control of your mind and go, dirty thought, dirty thought, dirty thought, dirty thought. Like you're going to have to do some things, and if you don't want to do them, then here's the deal. Just because you're attending church doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is transforming your life. So you can sit there under the Word, but the Bible says you can deceive yourself thinking that because you can recite something that you're actually practicing it. Come on. We want our church moving toward life. What are the desires that are coming up? Are we challenging those? Are we making those submit to the Holy Spirit? Are we casting down vain imaginations and trying to make sure that we come under the Lord? Or are we just letting everything roll? Because we're in a culture that says everything that you feel should be affirmed. That's not what it says. That can be your policy. That's just not what it says. As a believer, you can be led by the works of the flesh. And there is a reason that Paul illustrates works. If We're going to read this later. But it, they're works of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit. Works of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit. He did not just pick random words. And he did not say fruits, fruits. Work. There is the reason that Paul chose the word works. Works are actions and behaviors that are unsubmitted to the Lord. They are motivated by desires in us. And they stir in us longing to act out. They can be manipulated and tempted and triggered by our enemy, Satan. And we have a culture that is actively trying to lead us toward the rebellion against God. So here, I want to be very clear. I am not blaming Satan or I am not blaming culture. I am saying that they are a tempter, but there's stuff in us. There's stuff in us. And if we don't do what we can do, we will always be blaming something else or someone else for what we aren't managing. Does that make sense? I want to break these down in a way that we can understand them. Galatians chapter 5, let's go back, 19 through 21. And let's talk about the works. And this is going to get uncomfortable, but just know I'm not talking to you. Okay? I'm talking to your neighbor. I'm talking, he's talking to my neighbor. He's talking to someone else. Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. We already discussed that. Flesh will always produce and will always be evident. If there's always strife in our home, it is what? Evident. Now, you can posture yourself and you can act like you don't see it, 
But that doesn't mean that everybody else doesn't see it. The works of the flesh are what? Come on, say it with me. You may not like it. It's, you don't have to like it. I don't, in fact, I actually don't want you to like it. <laughs> I want you to despise it and go, no more flesh. You'll be like, but it is a lie to say that you can hide it and it not be evident. That's a lie. Okay. The work of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Here's what Paul says. I warned you as I have warned you before. In other words, I'm going to keep talking about it. I know you're uncomfortable with it, but it is my job to warn you because if I don't warn you, you may begin to operate in the works of the flesh and it ultimately will destroy your life. Okay? I, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit, listen, the kingdom of God. So God wants to move in you and the Holy Spirit wants to guide you. But if the flesh is guiding you, then the Holy Spirit is not. Is this real? So this means that everything in you will be challenged. How you love, who you love, where you go, what you do, why you want to do it, what's your motive, why did you say that, why did you do that. Now, all of it is about the motive, come on, of our heart. And it will challenge everything. It will challenge how you talk to people. It will challenge how you respond. It will challenge how you manage your money. It will challenge how you vote. It will challenge, it will challenge everything. And you have to allow it to happen. So let's talk about four main categories for the works of the flesh. Are you good? Is this good? All right. If you're mad at me, you have to forgive me. Ha ha. Okay. Four main categories for the work of the flesh. Here's the first one. It says, I, I'm, so we're breaking down. Some of your Bible, some of your Bibles have like 15. Other ones of your Bibles have 17. And that's the list. I want you to know that not, that's not an exhaustive list. Just real quick, I'm going to read you just one more verse. There's actually three or four different places where Paul begins to write this list out. Let me give you uh, one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9, and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immorality, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivals, nor swindlers will... I mean, like... This list that we read is not an exhaustive list. It's just, he's not condemning people, he's warning people. The issue now in our culture is if you don't agree with what I agree with, you are a hater. No, 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 no. Actually, I want you free and I want bondage to be moved off your life. And, 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 and you get to, you're like, you're the adult in the room. You decide what you want to decide. But here's the Bible. Okay, so let's look at this. Okay, sexual sins. Our body and flesh want to feel alive. Sexual sins hinder openness, it builds walls, it destroys trust, and it damages respect. So, sexual immorality, adultery, fornication, pornography, 
impurity. Why did he say that? That is something mixed with another so it's not whole. It's unclean. Sensuality. It is unbridled lust, which Romans uh, 13, 13, if you want to write that down, talks about that. And so the reality is some people are not experiencing the freedom that God has for them, not because God won't do it for them, but because they are in agreement with the works of the Here's the second one, false worship. False worship. What we worship and who we worship is never a small thing. That's why you will see us in acts of worship, we give our tithe. In acts of worship, we give offerings. In acts of worship, some people will kneel down. In acts of worship, hands will be lifted high. In the songs of worship, we sing out to the Lord, giving expression and praise to Him. These are the acts of worship because what we worship determines value. It distributes value on something. And let me just tell you, we are never to give worth to something created over the Father. So idolatry is the worship or craving of someone else or something else other than God. So there are a lot of things that we, we struggle with. And so that's why there should be no judgment in church because we all, maybe these first two desires aren't... aren't areas for you but there are other desires that are and so we are all battling with our flesh we are all battling with our flesh come on somebody we are all battling with our flesh and so it's very hard for you to point the finger when you actually need to be in practice it's not that you don't see the speck but you've got to take care of the log does this make sense okay when we talk about idolatry, I see this a lot with, you know, marriages. God gave you something incredible, and then all of a sudden, you're controlled by someone in the marriage. It's, it's not about strong will or passive or whatever, but all of a sudden, it's like, if everything doesn't please this person, and so it's very, it can be very easy where we begin to worship someone in our home, not even thinking we are. I see parents all the time that they, they make their kids the idol. They wanted to do it better than their parents. Maybe they came from a door-door situation, and they want to be excellent parents, and, 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 and that is not a wrong thing, but in uh, their desire to be excellent, they've made their kids an idol. And so now, anybody who uh, doesn't treat our kids the way we think they should, it, it begins to unleash something because we will always protect. Come on, And we should protect our family. We should protect our marriage. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong. But if we're not careful, we'll make them idols. And I need you to know, little Johnny and little Susie is wonderful and got a calling on their life, but they a sinner. And if you think that they're always telling you, come on. That's why we steward their soul and we help them go toward the Lord. Because they got to make a decision. Amen? Is this good? Come on. Your money, your position at work, well, all of these things can be idols. And if you're not careful, you will worship the car, how you look, your clothes, your whatever, your status, your networking. It, it can be vast. And God is saying... Don't serve anything that's been created over me.
Here's the second thing. Sorcery. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. As a believer, I need you to understand something. We are not scared of the demonic, and we are not scared of Satan. He is a created entity. And so God is stronger than the devil every time, and so we don't operate in a spirit of fear or being timid. We do not fear him because we have the authority through Jesus. We resist the enemy, and he what? Flees. I can, you have the power to resist him. You may not think you do. The, the, it, the temptation may be overwhelming, but you actually can resist the enemy, and resisting the enemy isn't only for the super-Christians. Okay, so we're not scared. Listen, uh, there's a story in the Bible in Exodus chapter 12, 3 through 13. When the Hebrews put um, the blood on the side and the door frames. And the blood was a sign that nothing destructive, no destructive plague would touch them. And I need you to know that if you are bought and purchased with the blood of Jesus, there is some things, listen, that cannot come in and destroy you. Because you're covered under the blood. And the blood is not, it overcomes the world. Who's the world? The world is the enemy and his dominion. So it overcomes that. Okay. But with that said, believers have to be careful. We don't participate in witchcraft or sorcery. I, I want to talk about it. And so this is where we, we battle religious and, 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 and relig religiosity and, and then, then uh, compromise. And, and now we fight it out and we have factions when really, listen, it's hard for young people to understand, okay? Um, okay, so don't do Harry Potter, but it's okay to do C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, and, and it's okay to have fantasy sometime, but it's not okay to have fantasy some other time. And, it, and it's, you hear what I'm saying? And so I just want to kind of break this down. Fantasies and fairy tales are very different from magic and controlling people and outcomes. We don't cast spells on people in order to control them. We love people. We don't rehearse incantations. Beware of what you're watching. Hear what, hear what I'm saying? Scary movies and music that stir the works of the flesh. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but we also don't want to entertain it and invite it. Does that make sense? And, 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 and so here is the scriptural break. So religion always wants to take the concept and make it harder. Okay? There is a real legitimate concept that God wants believers to know. And then, if we're not careful, we'll take it and make it strenuous. And that's what the Pharisees did. And Jesus was like, yo, <laughs> you straining on a nap, bro. Like, like, hey, you're making it way hard. When really, it's simple. Okay? And so Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 14. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter in an offering. Anyone who practices his divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or sorcerer or charmer or medium or necromancer or the one who inquires of the dead okay for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord and because of these abominations the Lord 
Your God is driving, because the people have done that, um, God is driving them out. See this? Before you. And you shall be blameless before the Lord for these nations which you are about to dispose. They are the ones that listen to fortune tellers and diviners. But as for you, come on, covenant people, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. So can we talk a little bit? Hey, everybody breathe. Breathe. Stop trying to get your palm red. Stop trying to get to those astrology websites and trying to figure out like your future and, and trying to go some alternative way. Stop trying to predict the future or listen to psychics. In a couple weeks, there's, there's Halloween and obviously there's a history that revolves around evil spirits and making offering, offer, offerings to them. And, and I want to talk a little bit, so just breathe. Remember, you get to make the last decision. Our kids have never participated in Halloween, but we've always been a light and we're not scared. Hear what, hear what I'm saying? We're not scared. And, and so um, w- for us, we choose to be the light because we believe that what's in us is stronger than what's in them. You hear me? Jesus never cowered or hid from the enemy. He resisted him. Okay? Think about when Jesus was led. Here comes the enemy three different times. And every time Jesus, hey, but the word says, but God says, but God says. And then all of a sudden he leaves. Okay. The reason that we don't do Halloween is because we don't want desires, attentions, actions, and habits to form. So what we know in the Old Testament is there is this law of generations. Whatever we allow in the next generation, they will have a different concept. And, what, and then they'll have a different concept. And so here's the thing, is this is what God does not want us to do. If we begin to move this back all the way over here and say, now this is what God doesn't want us to do, then the reality is we have to be intellectually honest and say, the reason that we're doing this is because we want to be way far away. But this is not what God said. This is what God said. Does that make sense? For my, both of all my kids have jobs, and so we teach them 10, 10, 80. That is a biblical concept, but I don't think if they get to heaven... If they're like, God, I did, I tithed 10%, but I saved only 7 God's not going to be like, you're going to hell. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so the reality is, it is okay. And, and, and there are some people in our church, listen, that have convictions over this. And we, I am not trying to, to persuade either way. But I am telling you contextually, God doesn't want this. If you choose to take it five steps for your family, that's fine. But that doesn't mean that everybody else has to submit to that or they're evil. You hear what I'm saying? You let the conviction of God speak to you, and you may may have a conviction where I don't wear rock band t-shirts. I don't do... there, There are some of that 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 is based on what God is doing in your life. Does that make sense? So for us, listen, our church is not going to run out and, and we're not going 
demon hunting, and, and we're not coming under a teaching that says that everything can jump on you, okay? Don't allow legalism to come on you, and that's not what God ever intended, and that's not what God said. On the same token, be aware. Be aware of what you're opening up in your house. Be aware. You're struggling with lust, and all you are is listening to love music that talks about very sexual things. You're feeding your flesh. Okay? So, I'm excited about tonight. I think it's going to be great. We want you to come. This is an alternative to Halloween. We're, we're not doing blood and things and scary. But our church is going to be raised up. Our kids are going to be raised up in a life-giving environment. Come on. And I'm not coming under culture. And I'm also not coming under the religious. I, this is what God says. And this is what we're going to do. And we want you to come out. Here's the, here, here's, here's the next thing. So first one was sexual sin. Second one was, come on, listen, um, false worship. Third one is divisiveness. Divisiveness hinders unity. There are only two groups in the Bible, saved and unsaved. Not Republicans and Democrats. Come on. Not Baptists and Bethel. They're not ready for me, Wes. They're not ready. The reality is, it is saved and unsaved. Don't give place to divisiveness. We as believers seek restoration and we seek peace. You are going to have conflict with people. You are absolutely going to. And it's okay to have a courageous conversation in honor. It's okay to make things clear. And it is also okay to agree to disagree because everything in our life cannot be principle. There are some things that are absolutely principle. And there are some things that, you know what, are my own convictions based on my story and my past. And it's okay that you don't know that. But, come on, is that okay? Is that good? So, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rage, your Bible may say, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. All of these things have to deal with how we deal with people. And I am telling you that these are all works of the flesh. Be aware of why you're resentful of someone else's blessing, position, um, uh, power, possession. Don't, don't be, be aware of your willingness to want to gossip. Show no honor when someone begins to walk in and have a conversation with you. Be, wh why are you so angry when someone questions you? They don't understand why you said what you said, so they're questioning your motive, but that doesn't mean they don't love you. They're trying to get clarity, but yet, come on, say this, questions aren't bad. Jealousy, I want what someone else has. Oh, they know them, they know this, they do that. Image of strife, quarreling, always quarreling about something, always got a problem. No matter where we're at, always trying to fix somebody. Come on. Here's the fourth one. No control. There will always be moments when you have to stop yourself. And it is not your wife's job. Come on, it's not your husband's job. It's not your community's job to stop you. You have to watch out who you're around. Because the flesh wants more. And listen, 
you're going to have to say no. It says drunkenness and orgies. Don't feed your flesh. Don't open an opportunity to be attacked by the enemy. And all of these works of the flesh, come on, talk, say with me, is in our entertainment, relational influences, the clothes that we wear, behavior, speech, attitude, and culture. Paul is not giving an exhaustive list, but he is saying that all of this has an evidence in your life. So will you set your mind or will you surrender to the flesh? I'm going to give you one more um, slide. Go ahead and put that up. Romans 8.5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the thing of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. Okay, here's the image. The enemy wants what? Say it with me. One, two, three. Come on, that wasn't everybody. The enemy wants what? The Father wants what? The works of the flesh... This is like, this, this spiritual battle is always going up and down based on your condition. Your position in Jesus is set. Your condition of your soul, your will, your mind and emotion is always on attack and works of the flesh. Sexual sin, false worship, divisiveness and control. Or I'm going to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. And we break those down. That's an inward work, it's an outward work, and it's a long-term work. And we'll talk about that next week. But the reality is, God, come on, listen, wants you free. So here's what you can do. You can actually, as you're looking at this, just leave that up there for a while. You actually don't have to stay under your flesh. You can repent. You can renounce things that you've done, and you can refuse to do them again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I'm almost done. Give me two minutes. Therefore, having this ministry, remember we talked about ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Look at me. I am not coming for you today. Do not lose heart. You may be in a situation where this was glaring. Or you may be in a situation where you're not going to have to investigate it. Get in your journal and have some prayer time. But I need you to not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by an open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Here's the thing. You can repent. You can renounce. And you can refuse. That's what you can do today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the House website. We hope you have a great week.